Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors to the global recruitment industry who are prepared to give up some of their time to share their experiences of what's going on in COVID-19 and their their ideas on how we can all come through this better together. Um, Today, I'm excited to be rejoined by Elliot Dell. Elliot is the CEO of SALT, um, a digital recruitment agency or working on a global scale. Um, you may have listened to the episode I did with Elliot in the Hoxo HQ back in um, back before lockdown. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think it was um, I don't know if it was before or after Christmas. My mind's gone a bit blank, but um, we had a really good chat. Elliot's episode was one of the most listened to that we've ever recorded. Um, his vision for where they were heading was so clear, crystal clear, and I've had loads of feedback on that. So I was excited to find out what what what's changed how he's coping and uh see if we can all pull some nuggets of information from elliot so before i do um get into the show i want to mention the sponsor today rise recruitment ventures these guys are a recruitment investment business that are backing tomorrow's uh future high growth recruitment businesses so these guys built and sold in the past and are now backing individuals and, and pairs that are either in newly set up or early stage recruitment agencies that want to scale and exit. So if you're thinking about growth, you're thinking you might need some capital or more importantly, the expertise to help you scale and grow and exit one day, then you, you should get in touch with these guys. Um, John and Alex are there to look at your business plan and, and take you through a process where they can be a partner in, in what you're trying to do. Um, get in touch with them via www.riserv.co.uk and they'll, uh, they'll set up a call. Right, back to the show, Elliot. Welcome to the show, and it's uh, it's great to have you back on. Thank you, Sean. Lovely to be here. In you look like a looking a you. different man now, without the big, luscious, curly locks you brought to the Hoxo HQ. They've all gone. Yeah, I had my uh, my own transformation. Uh, shaved all my hair off actually in the last year. So this isn't a COVID barnet. This is a uh, December last year, grade one, and this is now grown out in COVID. Right. Well, you just answered my question. It was 2019 we recorded. I just, I've done that many episodes now. I forget when they were. Um, yeah, July. July last year we recorded. Was it really? Bloody yeah. hell. It was nearly a yeah. year ago. But um, I, don't think, I don't think you aired it till about October or so. So Maybe, yeah. yeah. To be fair, you were, I remember you were in summer, summer clothing. So yeah, you're right. Um, so let's, uh, well, what, what's been going on, mate? First question, can you paint a picture for everyone about your life today? Like paint a bit, what, what's going on for you right now? So I, I guess it's, there's very much two sides uh, to my own personal uh, lockdown um, experience, and I guess a lot of people's out there. Um, to, to focus on the positives, it's an incredible experience for us to all spend more time with our families, mm. um, to connect, to sit and have breakfast together, to have lunches together, to have dinners together. You know, it's, it's incredible. It's a unique period in that respect. I'm sure there's many people that have, you know, have hectic jobs that do a lot of travel within their jobs that are now slowing down a little bit, slowing down the pace of their lives, sitting down with their families and looking them in the eyes and, you know, um, feeding their kids breakfast for the first time in years that are going, wow, you know, why haven't I done more of this? So I have absolutely embraced the positive side of what this is all about. Um, and it kind of fits in with my own personal journey, which we touched upon at the end of the last interview. Yeah, you know, yeah. uh, my own personal journey with, with sort of mindfulness and self-love, uh, quitting alcohol back in 2015 and just going from what was a very hectic, fast-paced, always doing lifestyle to very much being more in the here and now and embracing what's around us, embracing the simplicity of life, embracing my own self-love and my love and connection with, with, with friends and family. 
So that side's been very positive. Um, then there's obviously the responsibility uh, as CEO of a, of a, a recruitment business where we're employing a number of staff around the world, uh, a number of contractors, you know, fulfilling customer needs as well as part of our, our vision of creating futures uh, and having to have some very tough conversations, having to make some very tough decisions, uh, having to look at, you know, cash flow, having to look at, uh, you know, what does payroll look like, um, you know, having to utilize the various uh, government schemes and grants that have been available to us in the different locations so we don't have to make, you know, mass redundancies and letting people go during these difficult times. So as much as there's the sort of positives to embrace from a home life point of view, there's also the reality of the economic situation to which we all find ourselves within. So let's, oh, look, you've, you've got me thinking in so many directions of what I want to ask you about and talk about, but um, let's start with the business and we can then, as we did last time, we'll move into more of the personal side of things. Um, so having a global business, um, I'm interested to know what you saw coming and how did you, because I interviewed a guy in Hong Kong a couple of weeks before lockdown. Sorry, I interviewed a guy in the UK who had a Hong Kong business and it was the first real conversation I'd had on the show that was showing signs that, you know, this is a serious, serious issue. I think it was early mid-February I recorded. I'd just come back from Dubai and in Dubai was when I'd really, it was the end of Jan, Chinese New Year, the noise around China in general, Wuhan was really starting to, in Dubai was really like, everyone was talking about it. Whereas when I landed back in the UK, it was still not really big news. So when did you find out about what was going on and how, how did you guys at Salt to prepare or did you prepare for it yeah so look we've obviously got offices all across the world so you know hong kong singapore malaysia australia new zealand middle east uh, america uh, south africa so i was actually in dubai uh, mid-february and i'd been speaking to our regional director out there prior to the trip and he started to talk about office being called because of COVID. Mm. Um, now, when you start hearing these things, it just feels like another sort of, you know, dog ate my homework type yeah, excuse. Yeah, yeah. Deals aren't coming through. But when I was out there, you know, I started to kind of hear and see the reality of it. I think in that, that, that the week I was in the office there alone, uh, there was about four offers pulled, uh, mainly on the sales side of the business where obviously people were concerned about mobility and travel and flying around because of some of the restrictions that were being imposed. Uh, across in Asia, because at that point, obviously, China had gone into lockdown, but also Singapore, uh, Hong Kong had gone into lockdown. I don't think at that point, um, Kuala Lumpur were on lockdown. I think they were quite late to the party and actually had a, a, a big bout of viruses off the back of a, um, a large religious festival they have. And then I think it was uh, post that that they went onto lockdown. So, yeah, I guess it was mid-February. So then I came back and, you know, started talking about, you know, this thing is happening in the Middle East. It started in Asia, you know perhaps we're next and, and then it was shortly after that that obviously all the press started coming out with regards to what was going on in Italy. Um, we kept the office open for as long as we could um, because of learning from what we'd seen in Asia. We'd seen the government enforce lockdowns in all of these countries anyway so we didn't see uh, a benefit of um, bringing forward uh, you know an unofficial lockdown date if you like with regards to our office if it was going to be imposed upon us anyway so we literally closed the office on the Thursday uh, and then I think it was on the Friday that it was announced that the UK yeah. would be going into a lockdown situation so yes we definitely used knowledge from what was going on in other regions uh, we got our leaders over in Asia 
um, to give us kind of weekly updates on, on what was going on. They sent some very helpful emails um, around to the global business, just with regards to their experiences of lockdown, um, how it affected clients, how it affected their own personal situations, etc. And at that time, we were then experiencing the whole frenzy in the UK of, you know, supermarkets being ransacked and everyone running out of toilet pasta. paper and flour and eggs and pasta and all these other bizarre things that we decided to, to, to stock up on. Um, so, yeah, definitely took those global learnings, definitely then used those to educate. Sorry, I think we've got a helicopter going overhead. I don't know it's if all that's right. Can't hear it. through to you. Uh, I live near the army bases here, so uh, you, you often get the uh, Trinux flying over. Um, but, yeah, I was then able to re relay the information over to our guys in South Africa, across to the guys in the U.S., and then very quickly after the UK going into lockdown, obviously, you know, the, the death toll really started hitting America. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think out of all the regions, America was definitely the worst hit. I mean, we can see that from the stats that we see on the news every day. But, uh, yeah, we, we barely got near closing a deal throughout the whole of April uh, in New York. So, uh, yeah, there were some, some touch and go times with regards to the outlook of the business there. So thinking about you, your role, right, as the CEO of a, of a 200-man business, what, what are you doing all day at that point? And how are you, how are you, are you making every major decision? Are you empowering others to make this? How is it, how is it fitting in, say, March, April time when it's, it's all just exploding around you? Yeah, so look, uh, myself and our, my chairman, Paul, uh, we were speaking every day, three, four, five, six times a day, uh, liaising with our, our HR manager, uh, our FD, uh, our CFO, we're all in constant contact with regards to, you know, what does cash flow look like? Um, what are the schemes out there that, that can support us with the business? Um, you know, how can we ensure that we retain as many jobs and, and, and save as many futures as possible? So, yeah, it was very frantic. I mean, you know, all that weekend after lockdown, you know, we, we were back and forth on, on messages and emails constantly just with regards to how do we get through this? You know, what do we do to minimise risk throughout this? You know, trying to anticipate how long this would go on for. Uh, personally, I, I was getting closer to some customers that I wouldn't necessarily um, be speaking with just to find out what was going on uh, with their situations. Um, we immediately started looking at some restructure plans as well. Uh, in particular for the, the UK business, uh, which is our largest office with 100 staff. Um, there were some restructures that we were looking to do. We probably would have done them either H2 this year uh, or definitely by uh, the new budgets going into 2021. So it brought forward some plans for how we wanted to, you know, reshape the business, um, you know, swap some teams around, uh, put some leaders in, into some bigger roles and, and offer other leaders some alternative roles in the business. So what it definitely allowed us to do, it gave us some space to look at some projects that we wouldn't normally have done in the chaos of, of business as usual. I'm interrupting this episode to bring to your attention our second sponsor. That's Odro. Odro is calling on the recruitment industry in, in absence of organised events to take part in what's called the Active Recruiter Challenge. The idea is that we'll all get together on the same day, Friday the 10th of July, to run either a 10K or a half marathon. Um, this is a combined effort from all recruiters to run from their homes and follow any route you want up and down the country. We're hoping that together we can raise money for a teenage cancer trust. Um, and in order to do so, we want all runners to contribute £25 in sponsorship. Fitness and charity, what a combination. To get involved, sign up to the Active Recruiters Club on Strava 
then join the 10K or the half marathon from there. Strava will then track our time so that we can use them and find out how we are competing with our friends and colleagues. There's also a runner's pack with numbers and wristbands which will be sent out from Odro once you get involved. Finally, see Odro's active recruiters blog for full details. Everything will be shared in a link to this podcast. Did you, did you utilize the furlough structure as well as uh, others in the market have? Yeah, we did. So out of the 100 staff in the UK, um, I think as soon as it came out, I think we put around 30 onto furlough initially. Uh, and then over the weeks, you know, we were, you know, judging people by their universities and their markets and what income uh, traffic we had from jobs. Um, some universities, some people's desks went completely dead. Uh, others remained buoyant. Other people were, you know, picking up jobs because if they were in, you know, e-commerce sectors or, or logistics or, or med tech or health tech. Uh, but obviously, uh, you know, some people working, you know, with retailers or some people working, um on you know new and emerging projects with banks, we saw some of the disruptive projects within banks just go on hold. Um, so yeah, it did mean some people's desks went completely quiet. So over the, the, the coming weeks after the initial battle of furlough, we probably put another three or four a week onto furlough after that uh, to ensure that we could you know save those jobs um, as opposed to you know making those roles immediately yeah. redundant. How how have you managed the communication and the relationship with those people? On furlough. I think that's one of the biggest topics of conversation I've had, not only online in the show, but offline with clients and also just seeing the fucking noise on LinkedIn has been furlough this, furlough that. But how do you, how have you assault managed to, because the biggest risk is, you know, you don't keep these people happy the way you treat them and then they all, they don't want to come back They're or you can't keep them anyway because of the way the market goes. So it's a really, it's really, un, it's, it was unprecedented. I hate the word, but it's unprecedented. How have you managed to not let these people disappear, keep them as part of the business, but abide by the rules, I suppose? Yeah. So again, that was a tricky one to navigate initially because, you know, furlough is an American term and it's something that's part of an America, American employment law. So, you know, the guys in America have been, you know, very familiar with the scheme for a number of years. And it's quite draconian with regards to if you're on furlough, you've basically exited the business. You get cut off from email, any uh, systems access you get cut off from. So, you know, you are literally removed from the business. Whereas when it was launched in the UK, you know, it was, there was different ways of looking at it from a, you know, from a financial point of view, how can you deal with the scheme with regards to topping people up or not topping them up? Yeah. There was then the whole HR side of things with regards to, you know, what employment rights do people have? Um, and then there's the whole side of things as to, well, actually, can you stay in touch with your manager? Can you be asked to do work? Can you volunteer to do work? So not everything was clear. This is the first time it had obviously been launched in the UK. So we were getting advice, um, you know, from our, from our, you know, our finance experts, from our HR experts with regards to what we could do and what we couldn't do. Um, and then obviously these messages were being interpreted in a number of different ways as well. People's friends were then being um, furloughed. Some people were under the impression that it was illegal to do any work or help out or to support. You know, other messages were that you could volunteer to do work, but you just couldn't be doing the work you would normally be doing within the job. So we've been encouraging people to do self-work, self-develop, you know, stay active, you know, try things that they haven't tried before, expand their minds, stay curious, stay creative, uh, and just be as energetic as they possibly can so as not to, you know, go into too much of a hibernation on the furlough period. You know, we haven't 
Um, we haven't been asking people to do to do anything that they shouldn't do. We haven't been, you know, telling people that they have to work, but we have very much been encouraging people to stay active and stay vigilant and diligent towards their markets because everyone that's all works an individual universe, and unless that person is in touch with that universe, you know, how do we know whether that is an active market to then bring them back off a of furlough? So, you know, there has been a difference in behaviours, and I completely respect and understand that from a mental health point of view. This is a very challenging period and some people won't have the strength right now to, you know, get out of bed every day and have a spring in their step and go out and research into their markets and stay on top of LinkedIn to see what jobs are being advertised, etc. Other people have found that very easy and we've had very proactive people saying, hey, customers emailed me two or three jobs. I've seen these jobs advertised in the market. I've been engaging with some of my colleagues and I can see yeah. some opportunities and customers. So we have, you know, people have been, you know, selling to us to come back off a of furlough. And, and I've personally loved that. You know, I've loved the tenacity that some of the guys have shown. And we've welcomed those guys back off a of furlough. Um, other guys, you know, didn't initially go on to furlough. And then about five, six weeks in, you could see they were banging their head up against a brick wall. And we've said to the guys, listen, you know, you, 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 we can see your market is tough. There isn't any incoming work there. It's okay to go on to furlough. We'll do everything we can to try and get your furlough at some point. But it's been a real tricky one because you know people have been asking for sort of reassurance or guarantees or when is the office opening? And you know, literally, we are taking every week as it comes. You know, I feel you know we've bottomed out as as a company and as a market. I feel we've bottomed out, but I just feel we're tricking along the bottom. You know, we're not going upwards in the trough yet. We're just all sitting in the bottom right now. And I haven't seen enough indications from a revenue uplift point of view, from a job flow point of view, um, from, from uh, you know, dealing with customers uh, first-hand point of view. I haven't seen enough yet to say that we are on a, you know, a, a rise out of, out of the bottom. So you think, yeah, okay. That's interesting because, you, you know, I've been hearing a lot more positives around that. But again, it depends what people see as this, the indicators. Um, I would imagine job flow is the key indicator right that, that people are looking for um in terms of the office situation and you've got a nice hq in waterloo and um what what's your plan around that now obviously you just said you can't give any but are you are you gonna do you see yourselves going back exactly as it was or is there a new is there going to be a new way of working at salt as humans we adapt very quickly you know i remember working summers abroad which i think you did as well didn't you and, uh, you know, within two or three weeks of doing your holiday season, that was normal life. You yeah. can never imagine coming back to the UK and working in a supermarket and, you know, spending all your money on a Friday night out. Um, so we do adapt very quickly. And I think within six weeks of being in lockdown, this, is, this was the new way of life. Yeah. Ten weeks in, it's like, oh, my God, is there, is there really something that's different to this? So I think we're all now talking. Everyone I'm talking to is like, yeah, the world has changed. I'm even using that phrase myself. We will all definitely go back to, you know, a new way of working. It won't be the same. However, I can also see us all saying that now. And then we all go back. Everyone's back in the office September, October. And then by Christmas, everyone's back in five days a week. And it's like there never even was a lockdown. And, you know, what does isolation even mean anymore? So it's tricky to tell. You know, some, some companies out there have made some bold statements. Twitter saying, you know, to everyone, you never have to come back to work. Um, coming with Salesforce saying that, you know, no one's going to be coming back to January. Spoke to some contacts at um, a large telco business and, and they're not going to be going back till at least December. So companies, you know, are, are really longing out when they see normality returning. 
realistically, I can't see us going back into the office in any way, shape or form in the UK till September. Um, you know, we're obviously getting, um, you know, restaurants and uh, hotels and, 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 and clubs and pubs and stuff opening in July, which is great because we need to get the economy moving. Shops are opening up sort of mid-June as well. So this is all good. As recruiters, we can work anywhere. You know, we don't need to be going in and out of London or, or Birmingham or whatever cities we're working in and out of. We can all work as long as we are, you know, self-motivated and we're driven and we're doing our catch-up calls and our scrum meetings every day and our one-to-ones and we're following processes and, you know, keeping an eye on our KPIs, etc. There's no reason why we can't all sit at home with a mobile on the laptop. That's how many recruitment entrepreneurs have set up their businesses. That's all you need, as, as you know yourself. So, you know, I, I think the longer we can all not have to be scurrying back into the city uh, to work again, I think that's better for, for the global situation that we're in. Um, I can I can see some companies changing and adapting, uh, but a lot of companies are going to be stuck into five-year leases on, on big premises, so they're not going to be getting rid of those overnight. Um, I think other more agile companies will definitely go back to a more flexible way of working. But again, we've seen that movement with the whole WeWork community over the last few years anyway. I know 20, yeah. 30 person recruitment companies that have very agile ways of working. I think it's a personal choice. Some people never wanted to go on, on lockdown. Some people didn't want to you know, be told that they couldn't go to the office, you know, whereas other people were like, brilliant, get me out of there. I'm just as efficient from home. No, I get it. I, 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 I completely agree. I think there's going to be interested. There's that whole, you know, you said we've adapted and you kind of can't even imagine getting on the tube. But then once it is okay, there's, there might be a chance people are desperate to go and just be, be out of the house. They've been locked down for so long and, you know, you, you, you just can't wait to get back into the office. But what, what's going to be interesting is, is how your business, if you do have, say, 50% of your employees say, Elliot, I'm pretty happy being here, mate. Like, I'm, I'll come in a day a week or two a day, but I'm, I've really got used to it and I'm productive and you can trust me because I'm showing you the results. But 50% don't want to do that. That's when it becomes a bit more interesting because culturally at the moment, you're either all in or you're all out, right? Yeah. We were all in, now we're all out. What the fuck goes on when, it, when people have that choice? That's the bit that I don't know. I, 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 I'll give you my 10 pennies. At Hoxo, we had that. Already, we had a couple of people on remote working and the rest in the office. And I think the, the guys on remote would be the first to tell you that they feel more part of the culture now that everyone's on the level playing field because they were, they'd come in one day a week before. And there was, it just didn't feel, it was almost like two teams. Whereas now everyone's remote. We're all, we're, it feels like we're all together. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking I, I want to I work that challenge out. How do you go, how do you blend it up? How do you get the ratios right so that you, you don't lose culture or do you know what I mean? Have you, have you had yeah, look, look, totally. And look, I've been running international offices since 2014. So to be honest, for me, working on video is no different to working face to face. You know, I, you know, when we sat up in Sydney, you know, we opened the office in, in January, 2014. I didn't even go out there until December, 2014. And it didn't hinder the way that I was driving that office. It didn't hinder the relationship that I had with the people out there. So I've always been very used to being very active in video, you know, um, you know, run, running the Americas as an example, we opened it in Austin earlier this year, haven't been out to Austin yet. So I have to rely on being able to build trust and engagement with people via video. So there's definitely a certain type of person that is built for it and wants to do it. 
Uh, and then you need to think about um, the training and development side of things. You know, if you're bringing junior people through, if you have that model, unless they can listen to senior people on the phone, speaking to customers, you know, illustrating best practice, then how can that person possibly learn? When they need to nudge someone on desk, can you, can you have a look at this email? Am I approaching the customer in the right way? Can you listen into my calls? All these things that someone needs, you know, those things aren't possible remote, unless I guess we're dialing in and we're watching the videos of, of people, you know, dealing with these customers and, and, and making their calls. So there is a reliance on a certain type of people if you're bringing trainees through. However, you know, many businesses, um, I, I feel, are actually going to start hiring that more independent person again. You know, they are actually going to look more favorable to, to people in their 40s, in their 50s, which actually before they'd have gone, well, do you know what? We're a young culture. We're a young environment. And are they going to fit in with a bunch of 25 to 35-year-olds who play five-side football and go down, down the pub on a Friday? Actually, a more experienced, mature person might actually fit my business model, someone that I know isn't going to be messing around you know they, they, they've got a mortgage they, they've got kids there, there's there's more pressures and and, and and reliances that they have around them in their lives so it may flip the types of people that companies hire and it's certainly something that we're looking at as a business as well because the independent people um, within our workforce uh, have really shown their independence and their ability to work really well um, and you know they are very happy sitting at home working from home so yeah if they want a new way of working and they don't want to return to the office suddenly we don't have all those experienced independent people that, that can bring our junior people through so what, what does that mean for those junior people you know does that mean a different setup does that mean more of an academy type setup where you have got someone looking yeah. after these people so it might create a bit of a, a divide in terms of the types of people that you hire a message from our final sponsor Vincere. Vincere, if you don't know, is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform for recruitment and staffing businesses globally. Now, I first heard about Vincere, it feels like a while, it was about a year or so ago. And this business came out of nowhere from speaking to recruitment agencies. And, and I've always asked them what CRM they use when, I, when dealing with them from a Hoxo perspective. The same players usually used to come up, but this word Vincere kept coming up, and I was like, okay, I've heard this two, three, four, five times. It must, it must be, uh, must be an interesting brand. Um, and now I hear Vincere almost as much as any other brand out there. So I did my research, and what I love about Vincere is they're looking to partner and invest in the same types of organisations that Hoxo do, which is the future high-growth recruitment business, what I call progressive owners. Um, these guys are putting a product out there to level the playing field and help smaller businesses and those growing to edge over their competition. Um, it's, it's proven to be a disruptor in the space and um, more and more people are using this, this software globally. They recently broke into the G2 crowd momentum grid as the market leader on stellar reviews from users. So the, the, the recruiters that are using Vincere are raving about it. They've got five global offices headquartered in Vietnam. So they, if you've got uh, an office anywhere in the world, they've got this follow the sun methodology. So the support is absolutely top notch. Um, and also by sponsoring the RAG, they're giving a unique offer to our listeners. So if you're listening um, and you want to get involved, go to Vincere's V-I-N-C-E-R-E dot I-O forward slash RAG, where they're going to be offering you a unique exclusive deal because you listen to the RAG podcast. Get in touch today. What do you see as the, the future for Salt now? Is it, has it changed at all? I remember you were, you were on this global domination mission when we spoke last year. I can't believe it's nearly a year ago. That's just shocked me. But um, yeah. 
it's gone that fast. But what, what's the future look like for you now that we, you've had time to sit and reflect at home? Yeah. Um, so the first six weeks of lockdown was very much contingency planning. It was uh, creating stability. Um, then we got on to the, the point of we've got the breathing space now to look at some restructures. You know, is the vision that we had still the right vision? What do we need to tweak? What can we tweak? Uh, and what actually can we add on to make this journey even more exciting? Um, so just prior to uh, the COVID situation, so since we last met, we've added on two offices to Salt. Um, so I mentioned earlier, we now have an office in Austin. So we opened in Austin at the end of January. Yeah. Uh, and we also completed an acquisition of a business in Cape Town uh, called Recruit Digital. So we completed that acquisition at the end of January, um, completed all the kind of rebrand and systems, transfer over, et cetera, over the last couple of months. So they're now fully branded Salt South Africa business. Fantastic business uh, set up um, by a guy called Alex Martin, a uh, British guy from Kent, uh, moved out to South Africa almost a decade ago, created an amazing little business down there. And when I came across them, they were just like a mini salt. And I was like, we've got to do something together. So we've been together for a couple of years and eventually agreed a deal together. Um, so, you know, my own personal vision around, you know, new areas, new territories, that hasn't slowed down. You know, we're now in South Africa, or we want to expand that. We want to grow across Africa, look at West Africa. Um, we are still looking at um, a couple of businesses in South America. Uh, we definitely want to sort LATAM offering. So we're covering South America and North America. Um, and we definitely want more focus on our European business as well. Uh, we do about 20, 25% of our UK revenue, if you like, in Europe. Um, but I definitely do want a presence in Europe. So, you know, likely locations, Amsterdam, uh, Berlin, uh, Munich, uh, definitely want a physical office on the ground. So, you know, my own personal vision, my own personal growth plans haven't been hindered or changed or, or slowed down with, you know, in any respect. Um, obviously, you know, we've got to have... Um, you know, we've got to have some um, some thoughts around when we actually activate some of these projects, given, you know, number of staff on furlough. Obviously, revenues aren't uh, where they were pre-COVID. So we do need to see those, you know, solid signs of recovery, which is why I mentioned earlier. I think we've kind of bottomed out with regards to where we are at as a business, mm. where we are as a market. But we're certainly not on a trajectory where we're going, yeah, bang, we're going to be 20% up next week, 20% up. The week after so you know we're going to be sensible over the summer months and hopefully come september you know we can start activating uh, some of these projects that we intended to do this year well you uh you haven't lost your energy elliot i tell you that when you when you hit me last time i was sat watching you going wow i can uh, i could work for that guy and, I, and you've, you've kept me you kept me engaged again which i love it it's uh, it's exactly the yeah. same mentality yeah, look, there's, there's no loss of energy and there can't be because in, in times like this, you know, you, you need more energy than ever. And if, yeah. if you slow down, then all you're doing is encouraging the rest of your business to slow down. And look, we're in a very unique situation here right now. But, you know, um, I, I remember the, um, you know, the financial crisis back in 2008, 2009. I had my biggest billing years in that period. You know, I'd started focusing on business intelligence and e-commerce vendors which were obviously in a growth period there, there will always be growth points of the market. There will always be access points where you can make money. And you've just got to keep your business agile enough and stable enough <clears throat> to make sure that you can navigate your business in the right way. And that's exactly what we're doing throughout this period. So, you know, not doing a three-hour commute every day is, is not 10 years off in my life anyway. So I feel fresher. I feel just as hungry, if not hungrier. And, you know, at Salt, we're, we're ready to continue our, uh, you know, our global footprint growth in the marketplace. 
Well, you just led me straight into where I wanted to go now. So, uh, one thing about you, obviously, I've, I've followed your stuff on Instagram. We cho- we talked about you, but I'm I'm really fascinated by how you've managed to keep that mindfulness and grow this business. And I want what's your what's your day to day routine like now? So, from when you wake up right through, like how does how do you yeah how do you get through your day? Uh, my morning routine, um, well, I'm probably enjoying another sort of 45 minutes in bed to what I would have normally done uh, pre-COVID. So I was always a religious, I was up at six o'clock every single day, but I, I am snoozing a bit till, uh, you know, quarter to seven, seven o'clock. But uh, look, I'm up, um, you know, breakfast, uh, which is a bit slower than it, than it would have been in, uh, in, in normal times. Yeah. Uh, I speak with our, with our chairman every day at 8.30. So, you know, we can get on top of, uh, you know, everything that we're doing, where we have the projects, any updates, any changes, etc. Catch up with all of my management team uh, in the UK uh, at 10 o'clock. Um, catch up with my guys. Uh, every day, catch up with the management team, yeah? Yeah, every, every day at 10 o'clock. Every day at 10 o'clock, we have, a, we have a video call between us. Just to, again, update on where we're at, what we're doing, where we're going, any changes. You know, let's keep tight to each other. And also just to see the whites of each other's eyes every single day to show that we're there for each other. You know, some of these guys are living at home on their own, you know, haven't been seeing other faces and other people throughout this this strange period. So, you know, I think the more engagement that, that we've been able to encourage during this time has been absolutely vital. Um, I'll catch up uh, with the guys in the US every day. Uh, in and amongst that, you know, keeping on top of uh, customers, catching up with individual spot across the business as well. So one week I'll catch up with a, a couple of guys from Dubai. Uh, I've been doing some group calls with the offices as well. So I've done some Q&As uh, with the guys over in the US, uh, with the guys down in Cape Town, just who might not be getting so much visibility on what's going on from a, from a sort of London HQ perspective. Answering any questions, you know, giving advice. I've been doing some uh, one-on-one coaching calls with some individuals in the business as well. You know, spot, spot catching up with some of the guys on furlough as well. So just keeping really visible and transparent with everything that's going on. Um, I did our, our quarterly launch uh, in April, as I would have done face-to-face in the UK, but I did that on, on video call with five of the offices uh, where the time zones were appropriate. Um, just giving it, you know, thanking everyone for their support and understanding uh, during uh, the sort of lockdown period where we've had to make changes, you know, uh, furlough schemes, you know, salary reductions in, in certain cases, etc. So yeah, just continuing to be really visible, you know, not sort of shirking away from any questions or situations. Sending email uh, updates at least every week or at least every two uh, two weeks if there's been any economic changes or political changes or you know changes with regards to furlough schemes etc just constantly letting everyone know what's going on with the business and, and checking in that everyone's doing okay are you getting any uh any time out to exercise you're keeping yourself fit yeah very much so so uh i've actually um i don't know if you remember but obviously i've ruptured my achilles tendon yeah. last year so every time i see you, you've got a different injury yeah, so that, I did that on June the 8th last year. So uh, lockdown's been great because, you know, you can eat three proper meals a day and I've been training in the garden pretty much every day. So I've actually put back on my uh, pre-Achilles tendon muscle, um, which has been great. So I'm feeling fit, feeling healthy. Uh, gym routine's fantastic. Uh, it makes me wonder why I ever go into a sweaty gym when yeah. I can train so beautifully outdoors in the garden and in my garage. I've got a setup in there as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, staying fit, staying healthy, staying strong. Are you an evening trainer or lunchtime? What's your... 
I've been mixing it up, to be fair. Yeah, sometimes I get out there with, with this blessed weather that we've had. I've been getting out, doing a bit of a morning, uh, sorry, eat, uh, lunchtime workout sometimes, and other times uh, opting for the evening. I find, I've found that training has been like unbelievable. I'm fit. I feel better than I've ever felt in that way. Um, but the, the amount, because video calls, you can have like, you can have them back to back without like a minute's gap. Like, you know, people can just keep booking you in when you win. And I've only got a small team compared to you, but still it's like, Sean, can you do this? Sean, can you do that? And then I'm on a podcast and I'm on this. And you can go four hours without a break. Like you've got to like, you've got to be more, more thoughtful around your time than you were in the office because there's just natural breaks in the office. You go to a meeting, you, you factor in the travel time and you, I don't know, I felt like there was so many more logical times to chat or grab a coffee or whereas now it's like three, four hours can just be sucked away. So the exercise, if people aren't doing that, I can't imagine, I'm, I imagine it will massively affect your mental health right now. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. You know, like you're saying, when you're in the office, there's natural breaks, whether it's walking to the coffee shop for a one-to-one, whether it's walking to the sandwich shop, walking to the gym, even the walk from the train station, you know, or to the tube station to and from work, all these little natural breaks at home, it takes you, you know, two minutes to go to the kitchen, grab a sandwich or make your coffee and then come back again. You haven't had any time away from your laptop, from your screen, from your phone. So I think it's really important to kind of reinvent your timetable. So I've typically been doing sort of, you know, from 8.30 to 12. Yeah, I'm solid. I'm back-to-back calls, video calls all the way. And then having a two-hour break between 12 and 2. Get away from the screens, get outdoors, you know, have a little wander around, bit of football in the garden with the boy, a little train, you know, a slower lunch, whatever. Just get away from it. And then two till five or two till six, you know, depending on, on, the, on the calls, just absolutely back to back again. But then again, having that hard finish, having that hard finish, get away. Because, you know, I'm finding I don't even want to go on to, you know, and, and check my Instagram or, or Facebook anymore. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, I've been on video all day. The last thing I want to go and do, even just for 10 or 15 minutes, I just don't want to go and do it. I'd normally do that on the train on the way home. Yeah. You know, every morning I'd do half an hour on social in the morning, half an hour on social coming home as well because it was, it was easy. It was just on the train. It was filling in a gap. But now, as soon as I finish working, even that's it. The phone's down. The laptop's down. And I'm not going back to it. And I've always been good at that anyway. I don't get sucked into the whole checking emails till, till 10 o'clock. But yeah, now more than ever, it's so important that you have a healthy timetable that's you know, making sure that you're not just getting caught up in the world of digital and your face is you know, becoming the, the mirror of the screen. No, I completely agree. Elliot, well, last thing then. What, last question. Would, what, what have you learned most about yourself in this period? What, what's the one thing you've learned most about yourself? Um, that I am very happy and content with the simple lifestyle choices that I've made over the last sort of four or five years. Um, you know, I'm very content, very happy, very motivated, very driven in, in, in the very simple sort of family life that I lead. I'm not a member of multiple clubs and societies. I'm, you know, I'm not always desperate to go and run on an adventure or go here, go there. I've naturally traveled around the world um, through opening up the offices everywhere. But, you know, I've no desire to run out there, run around like a madman doing different things. I'm very happy and comfortable in my own skin, with my own thoughts, with my own feelings, and love nurturing my family around me. So, yeah, I'd made that lifestyle choice anyway. Lockdown has solidified that that's how I have to live anyway. And I'm very comfortable with it all. So, you know, the greatest self-learning is the the, the path I'm on. It's very much a path that I'm content with. 
That's oh, I love that. That's awesome. I yeah, uh, you'd be interested to know I've I've brought yoga into my life since we got into lockdown. I've done it. Yeah. Yeah, nearly every day. Pretty well for the last few weeks. I've got a, I've been running loads as well, but I've just I've got an injury in my back which has stopped me from running. So yoga feels like the, the best thing I could be doing right now. I just, I just, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm feeling like it's, uh, I always imagined it'd be, well, no, I, I didn't think it'd be that difficult. I'll be honest. I always thought oh, it can't be that hard, but it's absolutely killing me when, when I'm pushing myself. Like it's-, it's definitely great for the aches and pains. When I've been through my pe- uh, peak periods of doing yoga two, three times yeah. a week, uh, you just don't get those aches and pains and sores from the gym. No. So it's uh, that's my routine at 6am every day, yoga in the living room. <laughs> um, well, look, Elliot, pleasure, mate, as always. And I'm really glad that, you know, you um, you guys are navigating through it. I know it's not easy times, but you, you, you're you giving off that same message of confidence and, and future planning that uh, I think will inspire others across the industry. I'm sure people will reach out to you if they want to. But um, look, let's see how things go and we'll check in again in a few months. Hopefully we're in a much better place. Yeah, no worries, Sean. Pleasure. guys thanks for listening i hope you enjoyed today's show um if you did i don't ask for money to listen to the rag i just ask for one thing and that's for you to share this so if you could pass this on to a friend a colleague a boss anyone you think can can benefit from hearing from people like elliot then uh that would be amazing um you stay safe guys keep 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 pushing the markets are up and down everyone's got a different opinion but we're going to work our way out of this if we come together so um you stay safe and i'll see you soon this podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing force. That involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, We can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.